and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Ben. And I'm Anya. And this is episode 23, brought to you by the plague. (laughs) Oh my god. What a way to start things off. This might be a little bit too real right now. (laughs) I know, I was reading, okay, so we read, we started Never Seen, we read the first 10 chapters of Never Seen, and I was, those sections where they were introducing the plague, I was reading it and just like, hmm. That's a little too relevant right now. It's like, whoops, forgot we were doing that. Yeah. When you said plague, I thought we were like corona. <laughs> but no, we're, we're talking about the book. The book plague. Not not the life plague. Yeah, this is this is gonna hit hard. Plague aside though, we started never seeing I am so excited to read this one. Like <laughs> I love Never Seen so much. It's it's a good one. It's it's not my favorite, but Never Seen is really good. I just it's a great book. Gosh, and I think this is kind of getting into the first like couple chapters. Like, I love how happy they are here. <laughs> yeah, the days when they were still happy. I remember that. Yeah. So before we start going through the book in more detail, we got one message. Um, from on Instagram from Coddle one two three, it's a like a clarification for our last bonus episode. It says in flashback, Wiley is very strong at the first fight. He throws orbs at the never seen who dodge it. So yeah, that's a good point. He um he has shown that he'd be pretty good in a fight in um in flashback. Well, I think like once again, I think we're faced with that same problem that we had with Wiley before. Like none of the orbs hit, so either they're very easy to avoid, or Wiley has bad aim, or the never seen are good at dodging. It could be any mixture of that, and also like because they didn't hit, we have no clue what they do. Like do those orbs like explode and blind people, or do they just like knock into them? And as well, we don't really know like whether those orbs are like a super powerful flashing thing, or if it's pretty generic which falls into the same problem, that we don't see a lot of flashes in the series, which is the main problem with figuring out where Wily would be on that. Or at least we don't see a lot of flashers like using their ability in a fight situation. It's more of like just Elwyn healing people, or that's really the only case in which the flashing ability's been used, I feel like. Yeah, there was... There was the light show, but yeah, that was actually right, a really the good point. They didn't remember that at all. They didn't remember the orbs, or really the flashback fight. I need to reread flashback. I did reread the entire series, and I still don't remember anything from the later books. <laughs> I mean, same. Like, I, I, I don't think I can read flashback again because my flashback needs surgery. It's, it's in some pain. I think I have two copies of Everblaze just because my original copy's spine is so cracked. Yeah, no, my first, I have the first three books in paperback and all of them are, um, they're struggling. They're struggling. Yeah. Same hat, Sammy. Yeah, the ones I own are both hardback, so I'm living, but I bar I lent out flashback too many times and now it's, it, it's got a few problems, like a giant rip in the cover, but. It's fine. It, it's the like it's the back, so like at least it didn't ruin the beautiful cover of Flashback. So there's that. Flashback needs some help. Rest in pieces, Flashback. Rest in pieces. Like Kenneth. Oh God. 
too soon. It was only a book ago. I don't know if he technically is in pieces, but yes. He might just be a melted pile of goo. Yeah, a bunch of ash on the wind. Oh, and um, in the future, we're not actually going to do these messages at the beginning of the episode anymore. We've decided to, um, just like every few weeks, to have an entire episode dedicated to um, answering all of our messages that we've gotten for those few weeks at once. So we don't, like eat into the time of each um of each of the regular episodes so yeah um so yeah starting never seen um this starts this section starts out with right where everblaze left off so the keeper squad is preparing to join the black swan um alden is helping them break the law which i find really funny actually (laughs) and um, and yeah, there's, honestly, the first chapter, I felt like it was a lot of exposition, but we did get the, the, we did get the Batman shirt and the Wonder Woman shirt with, um, Keefe and Dex wearing those. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple comments for this thing, which is that, like, it's insane how okay with breaking the law Alden is for somebody who's pretty much, like, law enforcement when it comes to humans and, like, a detective. Yeah, I mean, I saw that and I thought the only reason he could be that okay with breaking the law is that they were searching for Sophie for so long that he kind of just got used to it. Like, that's incredibly against the law. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, there are just a lot of problems there. And then I also think, Alden's a weird dude. (laughs) Yeah, I I find it so very ironic that, like, he's an emissary. Like you said, that's literally his job to, like, keep the law, enforce the law. But no, he's, like, going off and searching for Sophie in the illegal forbidden cities and, like, helping his children join the Black Swan. And, like, he's fine with this. Alden's weird. <laughs> when Alden was helping them break the law, which is just such a fun sentence to say, I think there's something... um that I found really interesting, or just caught my attention when I was reading it. And it was like, they're taking off the registry pendants, and I feel like there isn't a whole lot of attention given to that, but, like, they're described as, like, heavy, thick objects, and even if they're not heavy or thick, like, they're- it's something significant, and it's something that's been on people, like, since the day where they were born, kind of. So, like, imagine how weird it would feel taking those off for the first time ever. Yeah! I mean, I feel like- at some point, that had become, like, I suppose something that kind of is, like, a comfort thing, and then having it rid would kind of, like, get rid of a sense of security, I suppose. Yeah. Like, as they said in the book, it was what made everything real about running away. And I can definitely see that, but, like, there was that same kind of lack of attention to it when Sophie first got the necklace put on, which would be, like, I don't know how people feel about necklaces, but personally, like, I find them, like, when I put a necklace on for the first time in a while, it's so weird to have on and I'm constantly fiddling with it. So I can imagine like having like a thick cord like that around your neck would be like, especially one that you can't take off, would probably be like a little bit creepy for a little bit. So I think, yeah, that just would have been something that is neat to look at because it wouldn't be focused on in canon. And I mean, as well as that, just it's used to monitor where you go always. Like for Sophie, it'd be like, 
losing a sense of privacy and for Biana and everyone else, like Biana Fitz and Keith and Dex, that all had that it'd be like losing that sense of security that people know where you are if you get lost. And I feel like that's really impactful. We didn't really see that. I feel like it's a similar thing with um, them taking off their nexuses too at the first time because it's like, it really is just a sign that they are like losing this physical representation of like the security of the lost cities and like, you know, now they're not even protected, like, from fading when they light leap and just things like that. They, it just gives the sense that they're really fully on their own at this point. Yeah, it's just, it's it's neat to look at outside of canon where we can do these kind of, like, intricate, well, not even intricate, but just, like, these stronger looking at of stuff. All right, so, yeah, next is Orly, um shows up and she gives them the cash which is a new thing um this is the first time we've been introduced to the caches which are like they keep secrets that pretty much if the council kept those secrets in their minds it would break them yeah pretty metal (laughs) imagine having like it's freaky because you know that because you know that there are huge secrets out there in the world that we're not allowed to know about, but, like, having the knowledge that there are secrets out there that if your government were to learn them, their minds would break certainly does, like, make you feel some things. I mean, like, is this common knowledge? Acacia's common knowledge? Or is it just something that, like, the nobility and the higher-ups know? I feel like it's so confusing. Because they're so common to us now. That, like, it's weird to think that Alden also tells all the kids without hesitation, which is weird, but also makes sense because they're running away from the law. So I don't know. It's very confusing. Yeah, the case, it was definitely, like, news to Sophie, but I don't know if it would be, like, common knowledge around other elves. I feel like it would be, I feel like it would be common, well, maybe not common knowledge, but I feel like it would be knowledge that would be known if you were in the elite levels at Foxfire. Like, it's not kept a secret. Anybody can learn about it if they want to. But, like, it's certainly not a thing commonly discussed. Yeah. And, I mean, I just don't see how that wouldn't cause staring. Like, if you knew that, like you said, it's something that would break the government's mind if they knew it. And nobody seems to, like, care. It's never really brought up in that sense, which is weird. Well, I think that elves elves also ignore things that make them look bad. Yeah. So it's quite possible that, like, as a species, they know about it, but they've just dismissed it because it's like, oh, it's in our past. Like, we don't need to know about it now. Like, we've come so far. We're so advanced now. Yeah, there's definitely that, like, this denial of anything that goes against the whole... Elves are the superior species. We're great narrative. This is like the one section where we get any picture at what the Keeper crew's name is, which is kind of cool. Wait, sorry, I don't remember exactly what you're referring to. There's this one section where, like, they're talking about ages because Fitz is being put in charge because he's the oldest. Oh, ages. I thought you said names. Sorry. Oh, no, I might have. I'm, I don't know. My brain does weird things in the morning. But yeah, it's just like, this is the one kind of picture we get at 
Keith and Fitz's ages after learning that, like, Sophie's 12 in the first book, so it makes sense that Vienna and Dex were also, like, 12 at that time. Yeah, I mean, also, I discovered on a Tumblr post that was reposted to Pinterest, I don't know who made this, but in human years, Dex was 11 when he was kidnapped and tortured. Oh, you're right. Oh. Thank you to the one person who made that post, but yeah, (laughs) Sammy's at her best. Ouch. I'm in pain. Like, I just... No. I mean, like, like twelve is still young. Like, it's not like there's a huge difference between eleven and twelve, but still, like, it just makes it worse. Yeah, it just makes it worse. Yeah, that's oh, jeez, he was so young. Yeah, I. God, that's insane. I just oh. How? No, Dex. This just reinforces the thing that everybody needs therapy. Yeah, we need some squad therapy. And, like, I mean, I think this has been brought up before in various places, but, like, it's pretty unlikely that they actually have therapists in the Lost Cities because they just don't have any need for them. Yeah. Yeah, the Lost Cities. Not not doing so good with the mental health. Or at least I'm assuming they aren't. The whole city believes that, like, mental health and mental illnesses are fake. Yeah, they don't exist. Definitely. Mm, what a great system you have there. But yeah, shout out to the elves non-existent mental health system. Please consider working on that in the future. That'd be great. <laughs> How do they not? Yeah, that's... Ah, the Elven City has problems. This is just reinforcing that. Yay. This is completely irrelevant to the plot, but like... Dex should be proud to wear a Wonder Woman shirt. Oh, yeah! I also wanted to bring that up, but I got distracted by other feminist, like, problems with this section. But yeah, why wasn't- why was Sophie like, oh, I can't tell him about Wonder Woman? That was so weird. Yeah, I was like, that's the elves' whole shtick. There's- there's equality. What are you- Wonder Woman is so cool. Like- Like, no offense. But as someone who was briefly into, like, DC, she is arguably better than Batman. Like, just as a character and as a series to read about, like, she's much, she's much more intriguing. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Though, I got much more into Marvel than DC. Somewhat irrelevant, but, like, I just know more about them, so I, I can't really, like, have an opinion. But Wonder Woman was great. Just Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't know a ton about Wonder Woman other than the movie, I think, in, like, 2017. But I love that movie. Even even the movie is just enough to teach you about, like, how good she is. She was just great. Like, that scene where she walked across No Man's Land? Yes. That, was, that is, like, that was so cool. I'm so sad that uh, 1984 was delayed, but hopefully we'll get it someday soon. I need to see that. But it's not out yet, because Corona, and I'm sad again. <sighs> it's going to be like the entirety of 2020, because Corona. Well, sorry guys, we're really just we're really just having fun with diseases today, I guess. Yeah, but anyways, getting back to the story, um, please, 
internalize why you felt the need to not talk about Wonder Woman, but you were more than willing to talk about Batman. Nope. I've got another problem with that in this section. Like, somewhat relevant. But, anyway. Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Alright, Italy. (laughs) Why Italy? I don't know exactly why Italy. Um... I mean, maybe the Nev- maybe the Black Swan would just, like, let's freak them out with Hitler and show them what's wrong with the world. Oh, yeah, that's certainly something that happens. Oh, yeah, I was true. really surprised reading this and just seeing the word Hitler a bunch. That really uh, was odd for me. Yeah, it's kind of like a reality check, because we're so used to being in this, like, fantasy world, and then, like, oh, yeah, now now we're back. It's like, oh, yeah, we're back, and whoa. Oh, Adolf Adolf Hitler? What? Oh, what? He's here? What? What? What are you... What? That's just kind of like the feeling you're like, huh, I was not expecting this to be brought up in my fantasy series for middle school children. Yeah, there are a lot of things that it's like that. By that, I mean half of the things, but... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I guess in Florence especially, there was just a lot of, like historical things that Shannon could bring up in that specific location which like would fit like you know there's Hitler there's there was also the um like yeah the Medici's and then there's the the arson which or like there's a a bombing right of the museum I want to say which which actually did happen um and then just like yeah, various things like that. And I feel like, and I could be wrong, so correct me, but I feel like they spent more time on the fact that humans eat meat than on Adolf Hitler in this section. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> they did. But also, like, it is still a middle schooler series. What do you want them to talk about? Like, it's, yeah, like, there's not much detail that you can go into or talk about without it getting, like, weird. On sort of a lighter note, the gelato scene where the keepers go and um get gelato together that's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole series it's so cute it's so cute i loved that scene it was just so sweet and they were happy and i miss that and not to read too not to read too much into it too but it's like it's another good example of like how sophie is kind of bad at having friends like she fully and for valid reasons, she fully didn't notice this or think about this. Like, she just, she was not thinking about her friends in that moment at all. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of unused to it, which is interesting when it does crop up, because she grew up basically being, like, a social outcast for 12 years of her life, and that's hard to untrain. Oh, yeah. It is, but, like, she also made friends so incredibly quickly. And not even in a way where it was, like, someone came into her life and made friends for her, but, she, like, the decks in her friendship happened, like, relatively naturally. He kind of took her in a bit, but, like, there was never a thing of, like, her struggling to make friends. That was never a part of the series. I feel like there's something relevant here, but I do not remember for the life of me what I wanted to say. And I don't, I, I don't think I can think of anything else. Except for the pure joy I felt when I read reread the what if that was another naked statue scene because that was hilarious. Yeah, that was good. 
That was, like, one of the few times where, like, it's like, oh, there's kids. They're, they're children. Look at them. They're having fun. Yeah, like, that one scene just really emphasized to me how young they were. Like, a lot of the time, it's forgettable, I suppose, because of the scenario they're in. But, like, that scene, it was so childish. And not in a bad way, but it was just... Like, just Bianca's reaction. They, they were kids. Like, Keith fully is a teenage boy. Yeah. But to be fair, the the edginess potential that most sixteen year olds have, which is where what Keith's age now, I'm assuming, is off the charts. Like Keith is Keith is kind of a drama queen. <laughs> yes, which is not absolutely. Out of place for a lot of sixteen year olds. Mm. Yeah, he's definitely a drama queen. But on that note, how old is he actually in Never Seen? Because I feel like him and Sophie were the same. He's 14. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Because they're both 15. That was what was mentioned in the ages bit. It was that Fitz was 15, Keith was 14, and then Sophie felt young around them. Except she and Keith were actually the same age at the time. Like, different edges of the age group, but like... She was the youngest, he was the oldest, but, like, yeah, that's weird, because I always thought of him as 16 and her as, like, 13 in this, this book, but they're actually the same age, and that's weird, but, yeah, that's... Because Sophie is 13 by the time Keeper 1 ends, and then, I guess, there hasn't been any aging, so she's a year younger than Keith, and two years younger than Fitz? Yeah, I think that works. Yeah, because I think Keith and Sophie are both 15 in Legacy, which is weird, because I thought he was 16 and never seen, but the two-year difference with the ages, but he's actually only a year older than her, because he skipped a year, which I keep forgetting, so... Ages are so unclear in this series. This series just... Oh, my God. It was like... I would like to see some birthdays in Unlocked. Yes! That is my... Oh, Unlocked might give us the chance to finally get them. That is my greatest want of the series. I just need to know when when they their birthdays. That's all I want in, in Unlocked. Like, one, to just, like, get a sense of their ages in my head, and two, so that we can have days to celebrate them. Like, <gasps> yes. Yes. I need that. Also, I am not at all into astrology. However, I do really like knowing what characters' astrological signs are. I have also, like, I have also on my own, like, on my Tumblr, fully come up with, like, ideas for which each of the Keeper's birthdays are. Like, I think I'd never posted it, I saved it to my draft, but I have a, like, a drafted post that fully just outlines when everybody's birthdays are. <laughs> so these are my own personal birthday headcanons. I had Keith November 7th, Vienna March 23rd, Fitz October 8th, Dex June 19th, Sophie September 16th, Tam and Lynn, November twenty eighth, and Wiley, uh, July twenty ninth. Yes, those all those all sound correct. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wish I could make them canon, but those were all like when I was just coming up with birthdays. I was like, huh, what time of year does this character vibe with? Okay, now what's a good number? Okay, and then I came up with a bunch of birthdays. They they just they're perfect. <laughs> I love I love what I wrote for Vienna. It was like beautiful, graceful. We'll kick your ass, March twenty third. Like, there was no explaining why that connected to March, but it was important. No, March is a very kick-your-ass month. 
It is. Bianna is so cool. Yeah, moving on to later in the section, we end up meeting... Okay, I have him written down as Forkman in my notes. His real name is Mr. Forkle. <laughs> but, um... Disclaimer, I, I just think of him as Forkman in my head. It's not Mr. Forkle. I think in my head I just refer to him as Forkle. Like, there's no Mr. There's no sign of respect. But I don't go straight for the Forkman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not Mr. Forkle anymore. Um, we get, like, a fun scene where they're going to the Black Swan hideout. They're riding Echidons, which are, like, I think they said they were the Loch Ness Monster, right? Yeah, they're, like, sound dinosaurs. Yeah, which I, that's really cool. Yes. Also, I raise you, the Lofterator scene. I love that scene. I was rereading through that, and it's just, it's so good. It's my favorite in the entire series. I loved it. It's, it's just... Again, it's very much like they're, like, middle schoolers. <laughs> and whenever I read that scene, I'm like, I know this is probably a line, a bad line of questioning, but, like, whenever I read that scene, I'm just always kind of like, well, why, why don't more people ship key facts? Like, people tend to ship things off of such little evidence, and, like, Keyfix, I feel, is just a really, really fun ship. And that's such a beautiful scene to write, like, a ship fic for. Like, why don't more people ship it? I don't know. It's a great ship. I don't... It's it's kind of random, because, like, I never really shipped it either, and I don't know why. I just never got, like, romantic vibes. But they do have a lot of canon, I suppose, like, things you can go off of if you wanted to. So that always did strike me as a bit weird. Like, Keyfax would just be a chaotic pairing. And honestly, I'm here for it. The, like, look, look at what they did to Fitz's hair. Like, <gasps> can you imagine, like, them, like, declaring a prank more, a prank war on each other and it lasts, like, a month and at the end of the month, like, whatever happens, like, they end up falling in love? Yeah. Like, that's so cheesy. But, like, I feel like they've, there's so many, like, just opportunities to make, like, a fun pairing out of the two of them. I just, I need a fix for that pairing now. I need what you just described. Prank war. I need it in my life. Oh. Am I gonna have to write this? Am I gonna force myself to write this now? <laughs> I mean, if you want to, go for it. It's just, like, it's just so much fun to think about them, like, just causing chaos. Yes. And maybe being in love, question mark? Actually, I kind of ship this now. Cool. Great. It's happened again. I now ship every single multi-ship in the fandom. Yeah. But the left Raider scene, very good. It's just amazing. Peak content. Very James Bondy in nature. Yeah. I just love the, wait, what just happened line? Because he's just so... Oh yeah, Keith's confusion. He's just, he has no idea what just happened. It's amazing. What do we think about Della joining the group for this book? I love Della. Like, I've got some problems with her, which is mostly, like, her mentality, which I'm sure we'll get into later when she gives the line that I think... Is this about probably... the dress? Yeah. This yep. is about the dress. The dress. Like, I've got some problems with that point of view. But, like, other than that, she's pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah. I love Della. But yeah, that dress scene. Just her showing off her fighting moves is, ugh, oh, so good. I just, 
Della's great. Della's amazing. I don't know how I feel exactly about, like, an adult being part of the group, at least in this book, because, like, it's been all kids up until now. But, like, Della is such a cool character that, like, I'm not really going to complain about it. Yeah. I think, like, I know that some people don't really like that she joined, but personally, like, I like it just because it feels like you wouldn't let your kids run off completely alone, I don't think. Like, no matter what happened, like, if you had somebody who wanted to go join and you thought this was a good thing, like, why not go do that? But I also think there's this weird... There's this weird part to it when you remember that back in all the Italy scenes when they're goofing around and having fun, there's actually an adult just sneakily being with them the whole time. Oh, wait, that's... Which is pretty creepy when you think about it. Oh. That just... That just ruined a whole scene for me. Okay. That's kind of... That's creepy. It's a little bit weird when you rethink about it. But other than, like, that, I do think that... I... Personally, I really enjoyed Della going to join the Black Swan. I think it gave us a better chance to see her character, which is something that we definitely needed. Yeah, and it it also gave us responsible adults in a middle school series, which I don't think I've seen before now. So that was really good. Keeper does a pretty good job of that. Yeah, like you've got Grady and Adeline, who are amazing, and Cassius, who I would pitch off a cliff. Right. <laughs> like, we got two ends, of, two ends of the spectrum there. I will say that, like, Cass- Cassius is a very interesting character to me. Probably more than he should be, but I do find him, like, he is very interesting. He's very complex, but just on his parenting, I would throw him off a cliff. Uh, he's an awful parent. Him. Terrible person, good character. Yeah. I feel like... One of the worst things about the series is if it's long enough, we might get a Cassius redemption. And it might work. I don't know how I feel about... Like, it depends on execution, I think. If they choose to do that. I think... Yeah, I think... The thing about Cassius, though, is that, like... Shannon very clearly states that he was abused as well. And just based on his character, I don't think that he would have gotten the way he is now without, like, his parents having not acted in a somewhat similar way to him. So I don't think, I'm not here standing, like, saying, like, Cassius is a good character, we should forgive him for everything, but I think there's a potential to say that, like, Cassius can realize the wronging of his ways and the ways that he's been wronged and the way he's wronged others, and potentially grow from that if he really dedicates himself to it. Yeah, I feel like Especially if he was treated in a similar way and not, like, physically abused. If it was more emotional, I think that would also result in him... Yeah, I don't think physical abuse is really something that can exist in the elves' world. True. That's one of the things that also, I think, goes into that headcanon for me, that it was never physical with the abuse that we've seen so far in The Lost Cities. I think mainly as well because of the way he acts toward Keith. I think... If one of his motivations for being so cold and calculating and emotionally manipulative was because he didn't want to get close to his son and be worse than his dad was, or his mom or whatever, I think that's just, like, yeah. I have thoughts now about Cassius, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Or even just, like, seeing, like, seeing about, like, how... 
how love as a concept is to him and how love has been used against him. Like, think about how, like, obviously, Gisela being added as a never-seen member was incredibly humiliating to him. But, like, that was also a woman who, even if they had their problems in a relationship, he trusted and at one point loved, I think. Then her betrayal would still have an impact on him. Yeah, I think Cassius is a very interesting character. I hate him as a father, but he is a very interesting character. Like, terrible person, worst father, good character. Going back to Della, I think we all want to talk about the dress. We want, we want to talk, talk about the dress. Yes to the dress okay. conversation. Oh my god. <laughs> that show, though. Does anybody mind if I go first? Because I've been thinking about like what I wanted to say on this for like a while. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so the line that we're referring to is, I think, somewhat well-known in the community. It's the line where Della pretty much says that, like, oh, you don't have to wear a dress. We just wear the dresses because it enhances our natural beauty. And, like, we have to, we don't have to, but we like to make everything beautiful because, like, why not? And so there's a bunch of problems in here, but one of the first ones I wanted to address is that the idea and the subtext here being implied is that women are only pretty when they're wearing dresses and by extension that kind of saying like women are kind of like only beautiful when they're acting in a feminine manner which obviously there's a lot of problems about that which I'm sure we'll get into in a couple minutes but there's also like this idea of like forcing and we've seen this throughout Sophie and it's not really treated as seriously but there's this idea of like forcing kids into a position where they're not comfortable because that's the societal norm like Sophie is abundantly clear that she's not like comfortable in dresses but she wears them so often and that's kind of played off but like it can be a really interesting or well not even interesting but it can be a really big issue of like I don't think this is meant to like sexualize kids in any way but making kids in a putting kids in an uncomfortable situation with the clothes they're wearing, especially when you're using words to describe the clothes like tight or fitted, it's really not great. Yeah, I think as well, adding on to that is like, just to the scene in book one where it states she had begged to wear jeans, but they hadn't let her. And that yeah, yeah, that always rubbed me the wrong way. I think I think I mentioned it back when we were reading that section too, like how that line was contradictory to this one yeah i think as well because they go on about how you don't need to wear a dress and how it's equal but we never see any actual representation of that in actuality rather than just stating it it's like saying versus showing and we only hear the saying right like it's like they keep saying that you know sophie could wear pants if she chose to or like that, like, they're, I don't know, certain styles or something that would, like, still be considered noble and fancy, but we never actually see Sophie wearing a suit or Sophie wearing anything other than a dress or a skirt, and I think that's, yeah, that's a problem. I mean, we get her wearing cloaks and, like, relatively normal outfits, but that's, like, that's about it, which is the same thing that we see for the counselors. Yeah, and I think as well as that is, I think it's just, like, She's always hated dresses, and as someone who absolutely hates them, like, I'll find them pretty, and I'll buy them, and then I'll never wear them, because they make me feel like I've been, like, flayed open, and everyone can, like, see 
don't know, they just make me feel really uncomfortable to wear dresses. And it's just, like, it made me feel really uncomfortable every time they, like, force her to. And that's just icky. Like, I just know. There's also the fact that, like, it just, it feels so gendered. and But, like, they never seem to talk about the male characters having that same expectation of beauty real, and of, like, caring about what they wear regarding their own outfits. And, I mean, this also, like, ties into this whole thing that Della was saying in that scene too about like I think it's very it's very trophy wife-esque what Della says like she's like she mentions herself as like the pretty wife in the shadows like that's very that's a very strong mentality and it's very odd and very reminiscent of this idea that like the wife is supposed to be doing the stuff that, like, behind the man to, like, support him and that kind of thing, even though in this scene she's not explicitly doing that. But it's it's reminiscent of that, and it just feels very weird to read that and hear her be talking about, like, dresses in that way, but still being like, oh, la 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 la. Yeah, this scene was kind of just uncomfortable, especially rereading. Like, I just... And as well, like, the, all the elves are meant to be gorgeous. I don't understand why it's so gendered. Like, we never see guys in Keeper being, like, any elven males, like, having to look their prettiest. Like, it's only girls. And it settles into the scenario of, like, it's not necessarily, like, a negative connotation, but it's still very much stereotyped, and that's very uncomfortable I think yeah it's also kind of like I think this is probably what you're getting at too it like it reinforces this line of thinking that women have to work to be beautiful but men don't really or it's like in not drawing attention to the male character's clothing you're sort of implicitly saying that their value comes from something other than their clothing whereas when you're describing like I don't know when you're just but putting so much focus on women's clothing in particular, it sends the message of appearance meaning a lot, but, like, only for women. Yeah. And especially when you're doing it in such a, like... Especially when their clothing is often, like, so traditionally feminine. Yeah, I mean, dresses are much more fun to describe, but, like, that does come across in the same way. I, I mean, like, I feel like even if... I mean... There's, like, stuff with the male characters that I feel like you could describe in a kind of juicy way. Like, they have cloaks, which can be jeweled and embroidered and stuff. Yeah. Well, we got a, we got a pretty good, like, paragraph on Fitz's outfit. I mean, that's mainly because Sophie has a crush on him, though, for, like, the majority of the series. <laughs> and, like, if, if Shannon just put, like... I feel like we're at a point where, like, if Shannon put a single male character in a dress... We'd all be so astounded with it. Like, we'd forget all of this just because she actually, like, one of her characters did something gender non-conforming. Like, we would all just be like, whoa! Yes! That'd be so good, though. I'd love that. I just, I also just want to see, like, Cash just tripping over in a dress and heels. But that's somewhat, like, yeah. He'd both trip on his face and we'd get to see that. And we'd also see gender non-conforming. It'd be great. Knock two birds out with one stone. Why not? There's so much... I don't know. There was just... I think there's... 
I get, like, a lot of people, like, dismiss this as just saying, like, it's the point of the series that there is injustices. But, like, you could have done so much with Keeper of the Lost Cities by just looking at it and saying, this is a perfect world. Why don't we have these gender nonconforming characters? Why don't we have these characters that are, like, canly described as being plus-sized? Why don't we have these characters who are openly, like, that are openly queer? Like, that could have added so much more to it. And, like, I get that there were probably reasons she couldn't, like, maybe it was about, like, maybe she fully just didn't know. Maybe, like, the company would have restricted that. But, like, it still doesn't change the fact that that's something that's not present in the series. And by having it not present, it has this awful implication that, like, you're not perfect or you're not good when really that's, like, completely natural. And, like, yeah, those people exist and they deserve to be exist. And they are, like, beautiful. Yeah. It's... It's also just, like, there's this feeling of the fact that we don't see, like, plus-size people or LGBTQ characters so far, yet it's never, yet that's never brought up as, like, a form of discrimination in the Lost Cities. Like, like in the Lost Cities, the Lost Cities are portrayed as something that's, as a place that's really, like, yeah, like, gender equal and really doesn't have any forms of discrimination other than like the talent thing and then maybe the birth order thing but um so you have this weird combination of like people of people who are missing yet it's never brought up why they're missing yeah and like it's just this place of like forgottenness it's almost like it also gives me the uncomfortable vibes that maybe it just isn't something that's focused on in all the cities because it's perceived as being less than perfect and it's just kind of perceived as if it doesn't exist because elves are perfect, and that's so much worse. Yeah, like, we're at a point where any way it could be done would kind of be bad because if Shannon, like, did start introducing, like, these LGBTQ characters, like, we'd be seeing them, but we'd be like, okay, they're coming in just now. We're like, we're over halfway through the series. We've got one book left. Like, you missed your opportunity. I'm sorry. And, like, if she addresses them in a way where it's like, oh, actually these people, like, are also being discriminated against, you're still left in this position. Yeah. I think it's past a point where it could be discriminated against, but I feel like the one opportunity for that to happen is Lanella, and that's about it. Because that was so into that, like, I feel like that could actually be done fairly well, but other than that, not so much. Yeah, I definitely think it would be still good to like introduce lgbt characters now oh we definitely should have lgbtq characters i'm like it's just like it's past a point in the book where like you could have made an impact or done something incredibly neat with it yeah like it, it, it's past a certain point that it can be used in that way but yeah anyways there's our rants on the politics of our series for you I feel like I can't go a reading episode without, like, bringing up something like, eh, are we sure about, like, the feminism behind this? Like, eh, it doesn't seem so great. I guess it's weird for me because Never Seen was my first introduction book to the series, but sometimes it's weird remembering that this book came out four years ago. And although it's not fair to say that Never Seen is a product of its time because, like, in 2016 we were also getting books that, like, well, not, like, had their own problems, but, like, were more aware of like gender and sexuality than keeper is like it is like we have 
like it's like still like as a society like things are getting more and more normalized by the day which is good but also kind of just like oh, you could have you could have still been doing a whole lot better i feel like throwing it in now if it was anything other than what's been somewhat set up like if they tried to do it with a more main character than Lynn and Morella, I think it would fail. Like I don't think you can pull that off in a way that would be super impactful. Like having it be an issue that a character struggles with, I don't think that's possible anymore. Just because it's never been brought up before this. Also, I think I think it kind of like if it was brought up as a struggle. Like I understand like a lot of the like struggles with the Elven society are in this like romantic way, which like tracks for the lgbtq community but i feel like it also like in a world where you're saying no discrimination exists and from what we can tell there is no racial discrimination there is no like gender discrimination although there are gender norms and gender stereotypes which is contradictory but whatever like why do we have to always have like still have like lgbtq characters discriminated against i think just not having them exist at all is like even if the Elven world discriminated against them, it would be presented as wrong, which would be better than just having it not addressed at all in a scenario that's meant to paint them as perfect and then have all their problems shown but not even touch on this, which I don't know, but I don't know where that's going. So, like, it's just kind of been... Like, maybe Shannon just wasn't allowed to and tried to just not bring it up prior to this. But, like, I don't know, it's... But also, like, all the posts lately about, like, how she recently added her pronouns to her bio and, like, how she's recently been liking those posts. Like, it does make me... I I don't want to... I don't want to blame Shannon for this, but I don't also want to say, like, it's all on the publishing company. Like, I think that there's probably elements of both that come into play. So I think it's... I, I think it's very likely that she's still learning. And that's perfectly okay, too. But, like, I feel like... I feel like the best way that things can go is that we can get multiple canon, like, LGBTQ characters in the last book. And then from that book, we get, like, it's a, like, it's a bad way of giving that rep. However, I think it's the best way to go about it because, A, it shows that LGBTQ people weren't discriminated against, which might not play into the matchmaking system. But, B, it gives us this idea that they've always been present in the world which is something that I feel is very important. It's teaching kids that, like, queer people have always been around. They've been a part of many cultures, religions. They've been a part of the world for a long time. And that really, it's a lot of more recent changes in history, like, within, like, the past, like, 200, 300 years that have really solidified this discrimination. Yeah, I think that'd be really good. I mean, better late than never on this topic, I suppose. I also feel like, Personally, I think it would be really fun if Bront was gay. Like, I feel like you're painting this tragedy of, like, oh, like, of course, like, it's the one, like, gay character, and he became, like, a counselor, and he swore off love and all that kind of stuff, which is bad, but also, like, it would just be so much fun if he was. Yes. I just, let's, let's petition to give Bronte a husband. That, that can be a new thing. Like, let's just give That's, him a- There we go. We've got Elwyn- Elwyn's decidedly gay. Yes, Elwyn's has. Elwyn has has. We have Bront, who I, like, let's just say it, like, yeah, he should be a gay character, just because, why not? And then we have Lanella. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good rep. That's a good even. And I just want to see a guy in a dress, too. And then 
then, then I can be, I can die happy. Yeah. Love to see some more GNC characters, but, like. Alright, so, we're just about out of time. Um, I know we didn't get to the whole section. <laughs> I think. Oh, we definitely I, didn't. Should we just do, do like, a this... quick recap of all the other parts that we definitely did not talk about? Alright, sure. So, speed round. Um, yeah, so, we're heading to Olivetair, which is the Black Swan hideout. We meet Kala. Um, love Kala. Uh, <laughs> let's, we're, what else do we learn? We learn about the plague. Oh, we learn about having, that they're gonna have to swear oaths. Yes. So we learn about the oaths. Oh, we meet the- We learn about the council, whatever yeah, their the council equivalent. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're called. And then, oh, and then Sophie gets her memory back. We learn, uh, that, we learn about when her telepathy was triggered when she was five. Oh, we also learn about having, uh, they still have Gethin in custody and that he's kind of being, like, screwy or whatever and that they were managing to track him by some sort of something. Yeah, as well as, like, the ending cliffhanger for the section with them saying, we want you to wake up, Prentice. And that's about all. Let's share social media now. So I, so you can message us at, Keepercast on Tumblr or the Keepercast on Instagram, and you can find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Everglend Havenfield on Tumblr. Um, and I am I want a custard burst on Tumblr and now Instagram. Though fair warning, I don't think I've posted more than two things on Instagram. So, I mean, Insta scares me. And then you can find me on. Uh, AO3 under I Want a Custard Burst or Crumpled Witch Feet. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.